Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to Healthy Mama Hacks, a weekly mini podcast where I share my best tips for hacking your healthy mama life with simple tips for easier eating, cooking, and living a healthy mama life in 20 minutes or less. Let's do this, mama. Hey friends, welcome back to Healthy Mama Hacks. Kristen here, and today I want to talk about something that seems very simple but can actually be a huge game changer when it comes to simplifying your meal planning. And you guys know that I am all about bringing more simplicity into meal planning, meal prep, and just getting meals on the table in general. I don't think it needs to be stressful. I think it can be a really joyful experience if we let it be, but sometimes having some systems in place can be really helpful so that it's not stressful and it doesn't feel like we're flying by the seat of our pants all the time. But we also don't need to be crazy rigid about it either in order to have a routine that works for us and makes it feel easy without it feeling overly restrictive. So today I want to talk to you about how to organize your recipes and I'll share with you how I organize my recipes using a recipe binder and how this helps me to simplify my meal planning. So my caveat here is that I don't always use recipes. I love to use recipes and I am a recipe creator, so I love to create recipes, but meal ideas count here as well. So I'm going to use the term recipes over and over again, but know that it's not always about having a recipe. Oftentimes it's just about having an idea of what you want to cook. So just like with everything I talk about when it comes to health and wellness, meal planning, meal prep, there is no one size fits all. So even though I'm going to share with you what works for me, I also want to share with you some suggestions for how you can find what works for you in terms of organizing your recipes. But the very first thing that you need, no matter how you decide how you're going to actually organize your recipes is you need to identify where your recipes are located. And then you're going to find a way to keep them together for easier meal planning. So personally, my recipes are located in three main places. Pinterest, and that's where I pin a lot of the recipes that I find on blogs or on Instagram. Cookbooks, I have a very small and curated cookbook collection. And my personal recipes that are typically on my blog. But I want them all in one place because that's how 
to keep it organized. When they're all in one place, you can just go to that one place when you're planning out your meals and deciding what you want to eat for the week instead of gathering all of your cookbooks and then opening Pinterest and having your entire table spread out with recipes and just feeling overwhelmed. This is one of the reasons women quit meal planning because they're like, it's just too overwhelming. There's too many choices. We might as well just eat the same thing over and over again, and then they get bored with that, and then they call takeout again. And so I want you to, to help you meal plan in a way that feels doable. So part of that is having a place to organize your recipes so it feels less overwhelming. And for me, that place is my recipe binder. But for other people, that place might also be something digital. So one of my favorite resources for digital recipe collecting is Plan to Eat, Plan to Eat doesn't sponsor me. I do have a referral code so you can get, I think it's 30 days free if you want. I'll put that link in the show notes, but it's $5 a month. It is nothing crazy. And I actually subscribe to it so that I can, I have a place to give people a printable version of my recipes really easily. But I don't use it for meal planning just because I'm a pen and paper kind of girl. I just prefer to meal plan on pen and paper or with pen and paper and kind of, you know, be able to shift things around that way. And I do use a lot of meal ideas as opposed to recipes. And I find that plan to eat, you're relying a lot on recipes. And I want a little bit more flexibility than that. But if you are a digital person, plan to eat's a really great resource because you can upload all of your recipes. You can choose recipes from blogs. You can add in family recipes or even recipes from cookbooks you can copy onto there. So you have them all in one place. The key here is to figure out where your recipes are now and put them in one place. And so plan to eat might be that place for you. It's inexpensive. You can put all your recipes in one place and you can actually plan on there on the calendar up to like a month or two in advance. And then they will also populate a grocery list for you as well, which is awesome. Now that doesn't take into account the things you already have on hand. So you might need to still do some adjustment to the grocery list, but it is a really handy tool. So that's what I suggest for people who like to do everything digital. There's a couple other apps out there similar, um, but this one's just really user-friendly. It's nothing fancy. It's it's definitely pretty rudimentary, but it actually works really well. So that's my digital recommendation. For me, I like having them all in one place, but the first thing that comes to mind when I'm like, okay, I have a recipe binder with all my recipes in one place is that I also have recipes in cookbooks. I don't just have recipes from my blog and other people's blogs and Instagram um, from Pinterest that I've printed out. I also have recipes in cookbooks. So for this, you've probably heard me talk about my family favorites list before. For this, I use my family favorites list. So in my family favorites list, I have a master family favorites list, and then I also plan seasonally. So I have seasonal family family favorites list, which just breaks down my master list of all of the meals that my family enjoys. And we take things off and my family gets super bored with them, but that doesn't happen often because I also condense that seasonally just to just to make it less overwhelming and have less choices to choose from and then also make room for recipes to try and experimenting with new recipes, meal ideas, things like that. And I do put meal ideas on my family favorites list as well. It's not just recipes, but it is a list of the meals that my family loves. And this includes recipes from cookbooks. So if I if it's on my family favorites list, I've made it enough times that I recognize the name, especially when it's associated with the cookbook. So on my family favorites list, I have the name of the recipe and the cookbook and what page it is on there. So when I'm choosing my recipes, I can go, okay, I want the millet fried rice from Supernatural Cooking by Heidi Swanson. 
That's a recipe that we've been making for a decade and we all love it. Simple ingredients, very kind of a pantry style meal. So we eat that all the time, especially in the fall and the winter time. So I have that on my family favorites list. So I don't have to, you could copy the recipe out of the cookbook and put it in a sleeve and put it in your binder, um, but you don't have to if you just have a family favorites list with those on there. And then that also keeps your recipe binder a little bit smaller and less outrageous. I like to keep my recipe binder fairly curated with just the recipes that I know my family loves and that I'm going to make over and over again. It's basically a binder of my family favorites. I don't put any recipe in my recipe binder. They need to be recipes I know that we love and are going to make on the regular or they're recipes that I want to try and I put them in there just for quick reference so it's easy to figure out, okay, this is a recipe I know I want to try this season. These are the ingredients, so I don't have to kind of be going back and forth. Again, keeping it simple, having it all in one place to, you know, like a Pinterest or a blog or something like that. So I like to keep everything in one place. So my recipe binder houses my family favorite recipes as well as recipes that I want to try. So my recipe binder is literally just a one-inch binder. It's cute. It's happy. It's this like paisley print. If you've ever seen um, me with a short sleeve shirt, I have a paisley tattoo. So I love paisley print. And so it just makes me happy when I look at it. So it's not just like this bland black binder. It's like, oh, that's my recipe binder. It's fun. And so I go and I'll grab it from my kitchen when I'm going to meal plan. And I open it up and it has categories. I just got very, very simple um, dividers from Staples and I used my fun old school. Um, it's one of those label makers that you have to like click the number, the numbers, the letters on, and it just makes it fun and feel kind of, I don't know, vintagey sort of. So I have each of the sections labeled. And I want to share with you how I actually organize the binder because this is what I found really helpful. I used to have the recipe binder organized like breakfast, lunch, dinner. And then I realized how burdensome it was to be like swiping through all of the recipes, even though they're pretty easily accessible in there. I have them all in clear plastic sheets so I can have them in the kitchen and not worry about splatters and things like that. But I was flipping through like 30 recipes to try and find the one recipe I wanted. So what I decided to do was completely revamp my system. Instead of having breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I, divide, I decided to divide up my categories into 10 sections, which sounds like a lot, but there are rarely more than like eight to 10 recipes in a section. And that's pushing it. There's more typically like five to seven recipes in each section because these are my favorite recipes. These are the ones that we use on the regular. There is not 100 recipes in this recipe binder. There's probably more like 50 maybe. It's probably about how many there are. Maybe maybe 60. Uh, but there's probably like 50 or 60 recipes in here. So it's pretty big, but it's nothing overwhelming. And here's why. I divide it into main ingredient categories. So my first category is chicken. And, you know, technically this would be poultry because I also have turkey recipes in there too, but I don't know. I just don't really love the word poultry. So it's chicken because my family eats a lot of chicken. My kids really like chicken. And so that's a go-to for us. The second category is beef. And we don't eat a lot of pork in our house, so if we did, I would put that together and just call it meat. But for the most part, we just eat beef. So there's beef recipes. Beans, we eat a lot of plant-based recipes as well, so there's a whole beans category. And I also include tofu and tempeh in there because that just makes sense to me. You could also just call it plant-based. Um, I have a fish section, and honestly, right now we only have one recipe in the fish section just because I tend to just 
riff off of whatever fresh catch we've got, whether it's a local whitefish or it's salmon or shrimp. Those are typically the main fish that we eat. Sometimes we'll eat scallops. Um, but I fish isn't something I feel like I need a recipe for, so I don't really have a lot of recipes in there for that. But I do have it as a category because we do eat fish. Pasta. So pasta isn't a protein, which is kind of the theme thus far, but it's still the main dish for any of the pasta dishes that I make. And if we we might add a protein to it, you know, like chicken or beans or chicken sausage to the actual pasta, but oftentimes pasta is the main ingredient. And so what we'll do if pasta is the main ingredient, we'll use a bean-based pasta, like we love bonza chickpea pasta. So it's got some extra fiber and protein. This is also really great for kids who are might be a little bit more selective and, and not eat a lot of protein. Protein is really important for growth and development and kids. And it's also important for adults because it's the most satiating nutrient. It's important to have some sort of protein um, at pretty much every meal and snack. So having that kind of bean-based pasta is a great way to have pasta as the main dish, but also have a little bit of protein and fiber in there too. So it's a little bit more well-rounded. Um, and we love pasta. So that is definitely a main dish in our family. And this also includes noodle type dishes too. So like Asian style noodles, that works too. The next category is also not a protein or the main part of the meal, but I'll explain why. The next category is slow cooker. And the reason why I made a whole slow cooker section is because I've Feel, feel like those dishes are different than the other dishes in execution. And oftentimes I am looking for a slow cooker specific recipe. It's the fall right now and it's starting to get cooler and we love a lot of soups and stews and it's also the time for more activities. So even though life looks a little bit different now, you know, post pandemic and, and all that jazz, we still oftentimes have activities in the evening. So my daughter has dance one night and my other daughter has Girl Scouts another night. And because my husband and I split our days working, we're both entrepreneurs. So he typically works in the morning most mornings and I work in the afternoon, evening time. And so I typically work from one to six. So I get home right at dinner time. The kids are hungry and they're ready for dinner. And then we don't have a ton of family time before it's bedtime. So I want a dinner that comes together really quick. And so slow cooker meals can be a really good solution for us on those days. And so I intentionally choose slow cooker meals. So because that's a meal category for me, and I just don't want to be just flipping through like, where's a slow cooker meat recipe? Where's a slow cooker poultry recipe? Where's a slow cooker bean recipe? I just have them all in one place. And then the other types of recipes are in the other category. Another category I have next is soups. And soups are kind of a category in and of themselves because these aren't soups that are like my sweet potato black bean chili or my white chicken chili or you know anything that's really kind of protein rich and would be really considered a full meal. These are like my autumn sweet potato soup or my curried butternut squash soup, things that you would want to pair with something else like tomato soup and grilled cheese or having something else on the side along with it. So it's kind of a main dish, but you need something else on the side. So if I want a, just a hearty, creamy soup recipe, I know that I'm going to want something else with it. That's when I'll go to the soup section. And the other sections I have are lunch. And these are recipes that I specifically make for lunches. So things like my chicken salad. So I have a wine country chicken salad and a curry chicken salad and a pesto chicken salad and a peanut chicken salad. I love chicken salad, if you can't tell. And then things like quinoa salads, my winter chocolate salads, things that we just, we don't eat chicken salad for dinner. We never do and we probably never will because we don't prefer it. We'd rather have something like a soup or a stew or roasted vegetables at dinner time. So those stay 
to lunch recipes. So I keep them in the lunch recipe section. So when I'm planning out lunches, when I, you know, if we don't, if we're not using leftovers that week, because typically that's our lunches, our leftovers. If, or, you know, I, I really want to plan ahead for lunches that week, do some meal prep. If it's, I know it's going to be a busy week, I go to the lunch section. The next section is similar to lunch breakfast. And I don't have a ton of breakfast recipes in this section, mostly because I don't really use a lot of recipes when it comes to breakfast, even when I'm meal prepping. Oftentimes I'll make slow cooker oats or overnight oats or chia pudding or egg cups kind of off the top of my head, but I do have my basic recipes in there just so I have them for reference. I've got my granola recipe. I've got a couple muffin recipes, which I do want to use the recipes for. Um, So I have a couple items in there too. And those again, are breakfast-specific recipes. We're not huge breakfast-for-dinner people. Uh, I know a lot of people like that as a quick dinner, and that's awesome if that works for you. It doesn't really work for us. The kids don't love eggs, and they're not really interested in waffles at 6 p.m., So we don't typically do breakfast for dinner, so that's its own section. And the last section is just snacks. And so that's things like dips. So my hummus, my muhammara red pepper walnut dip, my green goddess dip. A lot of these I already know off the top of my head, but I want to keep them in there for reference. Um, And things like energy balls and my cookie dough energy bars, all of those recipes are also in the snack section, just because I want to make sure I have the ratios on hand when I make those during my meal prep. And like I said, these are all housed in a binder, very simple, inexpensive binder from Staples with dividers, and I labeled them. You could label them by pen. I just happen to have the label maker. And then I keep the recipes in clear protective sheets. And here's the key. I take recipes out when we don't cook them anymore. So if they're not on our family favorites list, it doesn't have to be that season, but just our master family favorites list. If they're not in our master family favorites list, out they go. If I tried the recipe and it was in there because I wanted to try it and we didn't really like it, it goes. I like to keep it condensed and curated so it's easy to flip through. So when I go through it, it's giving me inspiration, not overwhelm. And that's the key for all of this with you guys. I want to encourage you to organize your recipes so that you feel more organized and more calm and meal planning is that much easier. So I would love to hear what you think. I want you to let me know how you organize your recipes. Let me know um, maybe some strategies that you have that I haven't mentioned for getting your recipes in one place and simplifying organizing your recipes so meal planning is easier. If you're not already a part of the Healthy Balanced Mamas Facebook community, I would love for you to join us in there. It's just facebook.com slash healthybalancedmamas. I'll put the link in the show notes. That is the place to discuss these episodes, to share your meal plan every Monday to join in on book club with us and really just be a part of the Healthy Balanced Mamas community. You can also find me over on Instagram at Healthy Mama Chris. I would love to hear from you over there. Okay, friends, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Healthy Mama Hacks, and I will talk to you on Monday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.